you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels, Hanson, City Steve here on the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. DJ Impact is off on a relaxing cruise. Um, I hope he didn't take the cruise Tom Hanks took in uh, that uh, Captain Phillips movie. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, or the or Castaway. the. Uh, or the yeah the castaway one uh i was thinking the one where tom cruise uh you know i'm the, I'm the uh, captain now that that mm. hijacking boat movie um either way tom cruise has had awful shitty luck he's apparently. had terrible luck on the water you know and joe versus the volcano that's yeah. another one man that guy just <laughs> got fucked a lot in uh the high seas <laughs> jesus um go. all right well welcome to three count everybody uh, I'm going to dive into some topics here. Uh, the first one uh, here today uh, is uh, coming to us uh, from fansighted.com. Uh, Tuesday, October 10th is shaping up to be a big night in wrestling. AEW and WWE are putting some strong shows together, and in the end, it is the fans that win with a great night of wrestling and sports entertainment. The Wednesday Night Wars are back, except just on a Tuesday, thanks to MLB playoffs. AEW Dynamite is shifting over to Tuesday night next week, and we'll run up against an old friend in WWE NXT. The October 10th editions of both shows are being stacked with big matches and star power, with both shows putting their uh, promotional philosophies front and center. It's uh, set to be a great night of action and professional wrestling uh, for the fans. Uh, let's see here. Um, and then there's a little, uh, you know, Tuesday night shaving up to be a big event in professional wrestling. Which show are you most excited to watch? Uh, we got a poll 48 votes, final results. Uh, AEW Dynamite 43.8%, NXT 56.3%. So almost a fair split there of those 48 votes, uh, for daily DDT on fanside DDT uh on twitter uh tony khan looked at the schedule and decided let's make this tuesday night a pay-per-view quality edition of the show by the time on the october 4th episode of AEW dynamite ended fans were looking for the nearest time machine to fast forward to tuesday for what is shaping up to be an excellent card the following matches slated for dynamite adam copeland versus luchasaurus soraya versus sheeta for the AEW women's championship Ray Phoenix versus John Moxley for the AEW International Championship. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Jericho. Jay White versus Hangman Page. Swerve Strickland versus Brian Danielson in a number one contenders match for the AEW TNT Championship. This is a stack card with matches that could easily appear on a pay per view. There's bound to be some excellent professional wrestling on the show. WWE NXT is going a different route, reflecting a different philosophy when it comes to attracting viewers. The show has put up big numbers in recent weeks, all thanks to the power that is Becky Lynch. Her run as NXT champion has brought eyes back to the show, pushing it to numbers it hasn't seen in years. With that in mind, WWE is going to swell or, or, or uh, going to the same well by sending main roster talents to the show. John Cena, Asuka, and Paul Heyman were all announced for special appearances and matches. Uh, Cody Rhodes as well. Fans can expect more reveals in the coming nights with both SmackDown, WWE Fastlane, Monday Night Raw. I guess at this point, Monday Night Raw is the only one. Uh, and uh, the current WWE NXT card for October 10th uh, has Asuka versus Roxanne Perez and Carmelo Hayes with John Cena in his corner versus Braun Breaker with Paul Heyman in his corner. 
Uh, also, a gong uh, was played uh, at the end of uh, a package promo uh, advertising the show. So it looks like, from what I know, The Undertaker is going to be there. Uh, WWE NXT has done an excellent job highlighting the young performers on the roster, especially within the women's division. It will be interesting to see what other matches and names are added to this show. Uh, tribalism in professional wrestling fandom is packed with toxicity, but the fans who love the industry see that they are set to get two big shows on Tuesday. Some will pick AEW, others will pick NXT, but the real winner of the night are fans who love wrestling and sports entertainment. The best bet is to enjoy the boom in the business because that benefits everyone, especially the performers who step into the ring, put their bodies on the line. Nights like the upcoming October 10th are what elevate the industry to higher heights. Uh, Steve, uh, you know, this is something that um, I think a lot of uh, fans from the inception of AEW have been pushing for because I think a lot of the AEW fans uh, who there's a percentage who want to see AEW fail uh, as opposed to uh, see the a see AEW succeed, right? Um, and there's the same thing with WWE fans. There's a section of them who want to see AEW absolutely fail. Um, but in the end, like this person uh, writing the article says, uh, you, the winner here are wrestling and sports entertainment fans. So what is your take going into uh, this uh, Tuesday? I, I've, I've mentioned uh, to anybody that'll listen that at this point, I'm just, I'm grateful for an alternative. You know, yeah. the, the old adage that pro wrestling is like ice cream. You just like different flavors. Um, yes. I know that it's contrived, but it's accurate. Um, it's, it's one of those things for me that, you know, just being able to watch a different show um, with a different roster uh, is something that is enticing to me. Um, now, I definitely don't think that AEW is going to win the ratings on Tuesday, and I, I will be the first one to admit that. Um, I, especially uh, with everything that WWE is doing uh, to load up and pack this show, um, you know, you had mentioned. Uh, Asuka being on the show. I don't believe that she's been back in NXT uh, since she left there initially. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Uh, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm if I'm not correct on that. Uh, and then obviously John Cena and Paul Heyman um, going to be acting as cornermen for the main event of the show. Um, and then as you mentioned, uh, the Undertaker's gong. You know, whenever you hear the, whenever you hear the gong, I mean, anybody who has followed the business for any amount of time knows instantly what that means. Um, I, I, I find it funny, uh, genuinely funny, that WWE is absolutely loading the fuck out of NXT this week. Um, yet, some people say that they don't view them as competition. Um, I, well, I, 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 ultimately, I just, I just want there to be two quality wrestling shows, but I, I still find it funny that WWE is making all of these moves to make sure that they don't lose in the must-win matchup this Tuesday. Here, here's the thing. First off, I don't think that um, in, the, in the end, I don't think that they would lose anyway just because of one factor, and that is Tuesday night is the night NXT is on. Dynamite is making the move. So right. they're not going to necessarily retain the same audience because of something you said on <laughs> – on wrestling talk and that is uh you know that when people uh have dvrs that don't record the show or something is scheduled wrong uh you lose viewers well if it's not on the night you're regularly accustomed to you are going to lose viewers but what is more important here is not that they beat AEW. i do not think that that's a factor at all i think what they're trying to do here is make a play because the TV contract is coming up for both Raw and NXT. And whatever numbers AEW draws 
think about it. If they can outdraw that number, it's not that they're beating AEW. It's that they can go to whatever networks they're shopping it to and say, hey, those guys got a contract for X. We want three times that money for these shows. That's what this is about. This is about your play for the future for your your product and the money for for uh, what you're going to get. Um, those advertising dollars are going to be fucking huge if you can prove that this is uh, something that's bumping them up. So I don't think, you know, I think that the war is probably one of the dumbest fucking things that has ever happened in pro wrestling. And it's mainly because now you have people who are in their 40s and 50s who all they want is this fucking wrestling war and all they've talked to their kids about who are now 20 and 25 is this wrestling war and how fucking great it was go back and watch some of that shit and the fucking shows were bad bad it's very simple um and you know they did more harm to the idea uh, you know people always you complain about raw being three hours well wcw nitro is the fucking culprit yep and even though raw didn't do it until years later after wcw was gone the door was open and it wasn't because the wrestling was good it's because the advertising dollars were big so that's what this is all about is is money it's very simple um now on the flip side i think that it isn't the wwe has to beat them i think tony khan desperately wants to fucking beat them in the ratings because tony likes to brag wwe doesn't outright brag because they don't have to right right but tony exactly. fucking loves to brag if they were to fucking pull a higher number he would be he would never shut the fuck up it would be yeah. 83 weeks for him in one fucking week period yeah you know you're not wrong so, um so you know that that's uh taker yeah Jim did say tinkering is he in case of emergency break glass move. Um, and it's funny that you say that because of the fact that it, two things. One, they probably couldn't get the guy who actually has the glass break because Austin's probably filming something, maybe his reality show right now. Um, but uh, what's interesting is that. <laughs> really don't think this Tuesday is that serious of a night they need to bring Undertaker back. Here's the thing. They've never actually advertised The Undertaker. So like I've said with uh, AEW bringing an edge without any advertisement, so only the smart marks really knew he was coming in. WWE doesn't have to do that. They can throw a fucking gong at the end of a fucking promo and make everyone go, oh, shit, The Undertaker is going to show up. And guess what? That motherfucker doesn't even have to show yeah, up. Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's very funny that, you know, it's like we speculate in our mind. Oh, shit, they're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. Um, you know, what I find interesting is Paul Heyman and Braun Breaker's corner. Yep. I test drive I, that for the future. Yeah. Well, you know, think about if, if Roman actually is going to get offers. Shit, you know, he's off doing movies. Braun could benefit like a motherfucker from that guy. Absolutely. So that's interesting. Um, so, Steve, out of all the stuff that is advertised for AEW, I mean, what sticks out to you as uh, something that, you know, you're looking forward to seeing on that show? Um, so there are actually a few things. Um, I really do want to see the Swerve versus Danielson match, of course. 
Sure. Um, I do want to see the Jay White and Hangman Adam Page match. Um, just because those guys have had um, – they've put on some some bangers in the past. Um, obviously, that was in a completely different set of circumstances um, sure. in a completely different promotion. But uh, I, I think that this match could, at least if they give them the time, then they could outshine the other matches. I believe that they've uh, wrestled three previous times. Um, and then, of course, you know, seeing Adam Copeland make his debut in an AEW ring, of course, I, I you know, what AEW fan wouldn't want to see that, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I think that the, it's I think it's going to be a solid show. In the dream matchup against Luchasaurus. Like, you I know, mean, they, you, you, you kind of saw that coming, though. I mean, he's going to debut and he's got to go against somebody affiliated with Christian Cage. So, right. oh, no, exactly. But but the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, for all this hype and, and whatnot. It's funny that it's a guy like Luchasaurus, who, again, what makes no sense is instead of having him debut against someone who is a decent wrestler, you know, someone who has a good reputation, someone who's a decent wrestler, someone who you actually could get a little buzz with because I just never wrestled them before. Okay. And then have Luchasaurus fucking interfere in the match or have something happen that you things that were absolutely breaking down that, that action because do you see Adam Copeland losing that fucking match? Of course not. Of no, course not. You you have to have him win the match. So to me, it's just like Luchasaurus is supposed to be your fucking monster of that group. So if he takes out Luchasaurus, what is Nick Wayne a fucking threat to Adam Copeland? Not at all. That's what I'm saying makes no sense in that in that regard. But um you know, yeah, fuck it. But um, the uh, what's interesting to me is this: it shows us something that uh, you know. I, I, reading some of these comments, what was interesting is that um, there there's this focus on how aw is like you know this is a stacked card this is great this is wonderful so the thing was is that the counter was um that with the wwe like the, it's it's like they they don't have to do this they're doing this just to kind of beat them you know just to do this um but the the real difference here is pretty simple the idea is that this guy who wrote this said you have your matches on aew that are pay-per-view style matches but if you look at a you know some of these matches there there's no necessarily build or whatnot they're just they're good matches right the wwe has two matches announced they don't need matches because right their product is about the superstar brand and so all they have to do is bring in names to bring in eyes whereas aw again the problem is is that you have the eyes already of the fans who are going to appreciate these matches. But is the common wrestling fan who's flipping through the channels, if you have John Cena, you're going through the channels, you got John Cena on one thing, and you've got Jay White versus Adam Page. The problem is this. Who are those guys? I know that guy. 
who are these guys? Will these guys get my attention enough to keep me focused on them for 15 minutes? Or am I going, oh, okay, I'm going to go back over to this guy because it's John fucking Cena. So that's, I mean, that's the, that's the thing that they're up against. It's, you have established brands. And I think that's the biggest thing with the WWE is that they're always about making these guys superstars, making these guys commercially successful. Um, I'm, <laughs> I made a joke. I, I think the, uh, the kicker here would have been, they should just debut punk. That would just fucking. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they did it. I mean, if you just want to fucking make Tony Khan just fucking, oh yeah, like, his head explode, just fucking debut Punk. Yep. Just and he doesn't have to do anything. In fact, they don't even have to debut Punk. Play his fucking music right at the end of the show. Nothing else. Just yep. have the first couple chords of Cold of Personality play. And watch Tony Khan go apeshit crazy on fucking Twitter <laughs> about how his product is so much better and this is bullshit and blah, blah, fucking blah. So, I mean, it's just, it's funny because I think that it comes down to TK likes to make this petty. I think there's a certain percentage of fan base who love that because they're petty about it too. They want to see exactly. the WWE fail. I think that there's a certain percentage of uh, WWE fans who want to see the AW fail. And, a lot. Yeah. And um, a lot. Huh, and like American Bam Bam said, no dream matches. Exactly. <laughs> Look no further than for your complete tribalist troll, American Bam Bam. <laughs> All right. So that leads uh, to the second uh, count here. Uh, this was on Wrestling Inc. Eric Bischoff explains why TV is a good indicator of momentum. Uh, former WWE, WCW executive Eric Bischoff was one of the key figures in the much-discussed Monday Night Wars in professional wrestling. Television ratings were a huge aspect of that battle, and Bischoff recent ex recently explained on his podcast, 83 Weeks, what one can learn when breaking down the numbers. Quote, Television is a good indicator of momentum, Bischoff said. It's one indicator. It's the most immediate indicator. It's the most analyzed and measured meter that's available to us as wrestling fans or even in business. Bischoff then went on to discuss the downward trend he sees in AEW's momentum based on ticket sales. The WWE Hall of Famer cited the company initially selling out Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City with around 20,000 tickets sold. Last month, when AEW Grand Slam returned for the third time, they did little over half of those sales. Quote, that's kind of the same drop that we were experiencing at WCW. It's an indicator that you've just lost the audience's energy. Bischoff continued, in our case, they came, they saw for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden, were not satisfying their need, and they were finding something they enjoyed better over in WWE. As someone who's been at the head of a company that fell from the top to the bottom before being shuttered and bought out by the competition, Bischoff seems to have a warning for AEW co-owner Tony Khan. Quote, when those indicators start to drop, it doesn't happen overnight, Bischoff stated. And sometimes, because it happens slowly, you can write it off to competition on television. You can write it off to the season, the time of year, what's going on in the NFL or basketball or whatever. When you're losing 50% of your audience in an arena, that's the audience telling you something. You know, that's a very interesting point. Um, and uh, when I said Tony Khan likes to brag, I got a, a comment here uh, showing, what do you mean he likes to brag? And a picture of a T-shirt that says 81,000 <laughs> with the Wembley Stadium thing. So what what is interesting is that um, 
the numbers have been struggling attendance wise. We know this. Um, the numbers on TV have been fairly constant at about an 800,000 some odd pace. Um, we saw that reflective in uh, this past week with Edge's debut, um, which typically means that um, if there were eyes that came over for one reason or the other, they didn't gain any more eyes initially, right? The, the big thing is um, these, these numbers at live shows. And what is interesting on it, and I think that there's some kind of there's some kind of formula that I think is being missed, right? Because you're running a lot of the same venues and cities constantly, you know, to saturating the market. Yeah. Um, when you don't have, uh, you know, certain areas that are, you know, getting the exposure to the product. The other thing they don't do is run house shows. So, um, it's very interesting because like Bischoff said, the excitement was there with WCW and it was massive, but as things started to trend down, um, you know, if you look <laughs> some of the later WCW in, in, uh, especially in 99, it started going down. And I think that's when the fans were kind of getting, sick of the product because they were going back to the same well over and over and over so how do you look at it steve when you look at ratings as an indication and even though i know that some of the comments uh well bischoff's out of touch because he's not talking about the streaming numbers but the counter to that was no he's actually getting at the fact that the lower tv numbers are reflective that they're not growing an audience that is wanting to see the product live and then you have the comeback of you know well he doesn't know what he's talking about and it's like but he ran a company that literally went through this so it's it's almost like in in some defense of AEW is well piss off on him because all he wants to do is take down AEW but it's not what's the realistic aspects of what AEW is looking at in terms of how do you take something that as Bischoff said the audience excitement is not as, I, I don't want to say the fandom, but the idea that if you come into my town for the third time in the same year and I got to pay now another 180 bucks to take my family again, how, how does, I mean, how do you uh, essentially survive? this kind of cycle so i think that we're seeing a lot of the issues and bad behaviors are finally coming home to roost for tony khan um i don't think that tv ratings are the end-all be-all um however uh they definitely do project um momentum as as bischoff had mentioned i mean it's um, this is one of those rare occasions where I will agree with Eric Bischoff on this case. Um, the The thing is, you know, the number one indicator for how your business is doing is live live event attendance numbers. Yeah. Um, so actual ticket sales um, there for the longest, you know, as an AEW fan, uh, as somebody that um, that pays attention to a lot of the, the, the business aspects of things too. The, the AEW fan base, Tony Khan, everybody affiliated with AEW, everybody was so quick to point out, oh yeah, well we sold 80,000 tickets to Wembley. Okay, cool. So that show came and went. 
you're still going to talk about 80,000 tickets to Wembley. That's done. What are you going to do in, uh, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio, or whatever market they're going to be in? Um, I think that that it, it really is a, a definite indicator of the overall the trend and the trajectory of AEW. Um, when you see arenas not filling up by a long shot, um, when you see uh, t- 20,000 tickets sold to Arthur Ashe initially, and this time around for their third visit there, they barely sell over half. Right. There's definitely a cooling off that your product has undergone. Um, now, is that because of booking? Probably. Is that because of this, that, or the other? Talent leaving? Talent not being featured? Yeah, probably. Um, the problem is that it appears that things go unchecked in AEW. Um, I don't believe that there's a whole lot of structure, uh, behind the scenes in AEW, uh, based on things that I've heard, um, from individuals. But Uh, the fact is, I'm sorry. I had to laugh because American Bam Bam again said no dream matches. (laughs) And, and, you know, ultimately that's, that is what, what's drawing him to the product or pushing him away from the product. Um, I personally, I don't mind the dream match format, but I know that there are a lot of people that do mind it and they have tuned out as a result. Um, so to completely dismiss TV numbers, I think is a mistake, um, to accept them completely as gospel is also a mistake. Um, however, you should look at those in relation to things such as live event numbers, merchandise sales, all of the actual income indicators for your business and see where they are year over year. And if you're trending in a direction that you don't like, you need to make changes because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And if you change what you do, you change what you get. And and that's what, that's what needs to happen in AEW. You, you said something there that um, stood out for, from the comments of uh, this thread. And that was that someone tried to defend how good AEW is by saying, well, they're a private company. And so how do you know that these ticket sales are so bad? And... <laughs> I mean, it's it's fucking Freedom of Information Act, man. You right. can get you can get any fucking thing that you want, seemingly. If there's right. a published number that's been verified by any type of a source, guess what? You can submit a Freedom of Information Act request and get that information if it's not public knowledge. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is that ticket sales and TV ratings are public knowledge. It's right. Absolutely. It's not bullshit. What we don't know is what you just said. What is the generation of the money between year to year to year without just being told we're a successful company, which is something that you don't know unless it's a publicly traded company. And, you know, um, what's very interesting is you said it Wembley 80,000 okay now we knew that it's the first time that they're doing a show overseas uh you know they're running London you're going to get all the UK fans who have not seen the product live in a big environment who want to see it great you know you're going to sell that percentage but again, 80,000, if you just look at the television number for America, is 10% of the viewing audience. And realistically, you have to then go, okay, so how many American viewers actually went to Wembley? Was it 8,000? You know what I'm saying? Like, is the breakdown that low that even the American fans didn't travel in higher numbers 
to go to this big event. The question then becomes, does he go to the well again next year? And if he does, what happens? Because if he doesn't repeat that number, then he's in big, yeah, he's in big trouble. And that's um, a great point of um, what Bischoff said about Arthur Ashe, which what I think fans, uh, or, or not even fans, but I think that this is something that uh, unfortunately I don't know the people around Tony who, um, yeah, I know a couple of the names who uh, do the booking of the venues. And, and initially the plan was really good of how you do it and how you start to, to get the company out there. But one of the things that I don't think that they are taking in consideration is something the WWE did. And that is they ran SummerSlam in LA for something like five or six consecutive yep. years. And the cooling off on that event was huge in LA. Massive. And that's WWE, that's LA. And it uh, the hype in LA itself went from, you know, huge the first couple of years to yeah, whatever. We've seen it. So um and then at the flip side they do fast lane in Indiana and run the biggest numbers over their WrestleMania, their Survivor Series, their SummerSlams that have been held in Indiana. And it was fast lane. I mean, it, it wasn't a huge pay-per-view per se. So what's interesting is that they're able to generate an upswing now. So is there... Is there really, going back to the first topic, is there really a ratings war when it's clear that the box office war, they're getting just trampled right now by WWE, especially when house shows are outdrawing your television tapings? That's, that's brutal. And I think that, you know, in terms of the indications... I think that that's something that, you know, some fans don't want to. And let's let's face it: when WCW was at its peak, the WWE their house shows were drawing jack fucking shit, but the WCW house shows were packed. And so again, when when you start cooling off, Vince almost went out of business. Let's yeah. not forget that. So, you know, it's, it's something that's, you know, it's something that's arguable um, that maybe, just maybe, at a certain point, check the ego at the door, look at the reality of the situation, and, um, and, and you and I both know that um, the morale of talent when you are wrestling in front of blacked out seats. It's definitely, definitely not good. So, um, you know, that's something that's very important too, is that if your talent starts losing faith in the company, you got a problem. So that's, that's a whole other issue is the political side. But uh, speaking of politics, uh, we are going to really quick get to the third topic here. And um, that is uh, brought to us again by Wrestling Inc. WWE Hall of Famer Hulk Hogan on his professional wrestling Mount Rushmore. Um, you know, Hogan was a recent guest on Insight with Chris Van Vliet, where he explained why Andre the Giant and Ric Flair deserve to be on his Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling while naming The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin as the other two on the list. Quote, well, that's a tough one, you know, because Andre has to be there, said Hogan. There's no doubt about it. Andre has to be there. And there's uh, there's just not enough headspace there because up there, it would have to be Ric Flair. I tell Ric Flair, you're the greatest wrestler that ever lived. 
and I've had other people tell me other things. But as far as I'm concerned, with him loving this business and being a complete sellout, he gave up everything, family, friends, his own health, everything to be in this business. That's kind of crazy type dedication, way more than I could give. He did it because he loved this business. And plus, he was a top guy like forever. So it had to be Andre, it had to be Flair. The quick fix would be Andre Flair, Rock and Austin in the Mount Rushmore. Van Vliet said that Hogan himself could be in the Mount Rushmore, to which a hoaxer joke that he could be placed behind the aforementioned four legends. Hogan also reserved some praise for two active WWE stars, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. I'm just going with older guys because there's some new guys like Seth Rollins, who I really admire. Kevin Owens caught my eye really early when a lot of people didn't believe in him. And I saw him down at NXT. I thought, oh, my God. That brother's got it figured out, said the legend. Um, you know, what caught my eye uh, was that end part. And, um, you know, because we always argue the Mount Rushmore and it's always legendary names and et cetera, et cetera. I was impressed that Hogan recognized Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens as two guys that potentially – uh, could be Mount Rushmore guys based on, you know, when their careers finally get to that point. Um, what do you think about, you know, Hogan's reasoning in, in uh, this Mount Rushmore? And uh, do you think that, I mean, those four obviously are fairly justifiable? They absolutely are. Um and I think that I'm going to throw everyone for a loop uh, that knows me, that knows anything about uh, my professional wrestling fandom. Um, Hogan is actually very, very close to being spot on with my Mount Rushmore of professional of professional wrestling and sports entertainment as we know it. Um, sure. I am considering that to be different than, you know, in-ring match quality per se. Um, But for me, I do agree with the Andre uh, mention. I do agree with the flair mention. Um, I do even uh, agree with the Austin mention, but the fourth name, and this is somebody that we need to, those of us that have spent numerous years um, in denial about everything that he has meant for, the pro wrestling and sports entertainment industry. I can't believe I'm about, I'm, that I'm about ready to say this, but the fourth person on my Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling is John Cena. And the reason for that, the reason for that is if you look at what he bridged and what he did, yep. a lot of times, me included, I'll, I will be the first person to admit it. I did not appreciate John Cena in his prime because of the whole super Cena thing made me very sour on him. Um, However, if you look at not just the in-ring work, which yes, he had the five moves of doom, whatever he could do five moves better than anybody in the world. Um, But he also meant a lot, a lot to the professional wrestling business. Uh, if you look at everything that he did for for Make a Wish, and everything that he has done for all of the fans, it's right. it's insane. Um, and yeah, it I I can't believe that I just said that, but there you have it. John Cena's on my Mount Rushmore. You know, it's 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 interesting. American Batman said I agree with Steve on this. Uh, Hitman, not The Rock. Um, so what's very interesting is, and and we've. We've now said it through pretty much this whole show. Wrestling, sports entertainment. Sports entertainment, you have to go with Hogan. Oh, yeah. Austin, Rock, and Cena. Greatest four sports entertainers because they are the ones who changed pop culture. Period. Um, you know, crossed into movies, uh, crossed into television, crossed into producing stuff, etc. Wrestling, that's where you kind of go, 
Well, you have to then look at Flair, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and the countless others that could be in that, you know, final spot just based on being a professional wrestler, whether it be, uh, you know, Harley Race, uh, you know, going to some of the older guys or, uh, you know, um, you know, Chris Benoit, I'm sure would be someone could be argued Eddie Guerrero, um, you know, those types of uh, people would probably even argue Mysterio to some point, right? There's a lot of names in terms of that. When you start blending all the names together, that's where it becomes impossible because then it really is about choice, right? Yeah, it's about exactly. who you liked as a wrestler, um, as a fan. And I think that, you know, that becomes very interesting, but, um, but it is a very valid point. Um, I think Andre gets lost. And the reason Andre gets lost is because of the fact that um, he wasn't the greatest pro wrestler. No. And he wasn't the greatest sports entertainer because he was the most unique athlete in the history of the sport or the entertainment business. Um, You know, I think Andre... Unfortunately, because he, you know, didn't get to have that um, that opportunity to do more acting. Yeah, you know that. You know, it's it's a shame. Um, I could you? I still want to see my giant done with Andre the Giant, like it was written, like Billy Crystal wrote it, because I think that would have probably been one of the top five wrestling movies of all time so um it's just you know i think he kind of gets lost because there are so many more identifiable wrestlers and there are so many more identifiable pop culture uh icons who you know were able to have longer longevities and careers um you know the, the rock again not not the greatest wrestler by any means um you know austin Austin's interesting because Austin is actually kind of the bridge between both. Because if you look at early Austin, great wrestler. If you look at yep. the most popular Austin, greatest entertainer. Yeah. yeah, greatest entertainer. So it, it's very interesting how that works. Um, you, you also got guys like we haven't talked about, like Macho Man. Like, you know, he, you know, he, great wrestler and a great entertainer. Um, Dusty. Dusty, great wrestler, great entertainer. Definitely. So there, there is so much there, um, and it's just interesting to hear Hogan, uh, especially leaving himself off that mountain. Um, kind of never would have thought that. Yeah, kind of respectful that he doesn't, you know, like he said, okay, I, I'm behind those guys though, you know, and I think that that's that's a classy thing to do when. You know, you look at the egos uh, involved, um, and I think all those guys would do the same thing. You know, that's the that's the one thing that when you talk about all these guys, it seems to be that the, the only guy who I think would put himself on the mountain is Punk. No, of course. Yeah, and it would be it would just be him, <laughs> like him by himself, just one big maybe what? maybe like pictures of him from his different aspects yeah, in his CM, career. CM Punk WWE, CM Punk AEW, <laughs> CM Punk ROH. <laughs> you know, just putting himself on in CM Punk uh, you know, ECW. No, he he would put he would put AJ Lee on there with those three. I you know what? I don't even know he'd put his own wife on the goddamn mountain. <laughs> he's he's that kind of special that. prick. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> all right. As we uh as we wrap up here, Steve, uh, any final thoughts? Oh yeah. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight, guys. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the stuff that you guys do. We appreciate each and every one of you. Also, very special shout out to all the brave men and women serving this country, whether you're doing it on lands foreign or domestic. Thank you for doing what what you do so that we can do what we love to do. And last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com. 
Go there for all your pre-workout, weight loss, general energy needs. Again, that's repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. Yeah. Um, and uh, next week, uh, DJ Impact should be back here, uh, back from his cruise, nice, rested, and uh, ready to uh, get back into talking some wrestling. So uh, we appreciate everyone for joining in. Again, you can catch us uh, live streaming on Sundays at uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific uh, Standard Time. And uh, you can catch the podcast, uh, Wrestling Talk, on Mondays and uh, on Tuesdays, Three Count. And uh, usually on Fridays, you can catch uh, the DeFalco Files with uh, FSW, Future Stars of Wrestling owner and creator, uh, Joe DeFalco. Uh, which gives some great insight into uh, the mind of a uh, promoter and uh, owner of uh, a wrestling organization that has produced many uh, of the uh, top stars that you watch right now, uh, including uh, Zoe Stark and Solo Sokoa and L.A. Knight, you know, all guys that Joe likes to, to bring up, uh, and uh, Karrion Cross wherever he is right now in the <laughs> ethos of the WWE universe. Uh, uh, it'd be nice to see him get a little more love, but uh, oh, shit. that is what it is. Uh, and then uh, guys like Chris Bay on uh, Impact, Bullet Club member there. So Jay Vidal uh, on Impact. Uh, and AEW, uh, guys like uh, Toa and uh, uh, Brian Cage. Um, you know, just to, to name some of the people who have come out of Las Vegas. So uh, check that out, uh, everyone. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And uh, as DJ Impact likes to say, happy wrestling, everybody. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. <laughs>